If you're a CEO, entrepreneur, or business owner that can't seem to figure out what is blocking you from attaining the next level of growth in your business, then listen up. I'm Maria DeLorenzis Reyes. I've taken what I've learned in 30 years working inside multi-million dollar corporations, building my own business, and consulting my clients, and discovered five themes that stop a business from scaling. I've created a tool to help you get the answers you need to get unstuck and unlock the next level of growth. Head over to scale.mariadr.com and click the link to get your custom Scale Factor Formula scorecard when this episode is over. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Finding the Upside. Thank you for joining me tonight. We have an amazing guest today on our next installment of One Tough Chick. We have been highlighting female entrepreneurs and inspiring women, and today I'm so excited to let you meet my guest who is an inspiring woman who has an amazing story to tell about her journey. And it has been my intention when I started this series to expand beyond female entrepreneurs and highlight women who have stepped into their power to lead others and use all of the challenges along their journey to build resilience and show how women can face challenges and still come out on the other side to find the upside. Welcome to the podcast, Martha Brogner. Hello. Hi, Maria. How are you? Great, it's great to be here. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to get started. I wanted to just give a little bit of a background and bio uh, that on Martha, and then I'm gonna let you expand on that. So let me just introduce you a bit to everyone listening and watching today. Martha has spent uh, 25 years as a federal agent and still in that role today. She's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and for sure has been put in situations that have created or allowed her or required her to step out of her comfort zone, Uh, but it's never held her back. And sometimes difficult and scary, she has characterized that, but her mindset is, that if it's been put in front of her, there must be a reason, and it's time to step up to the plate, which I love that about her. Martha is is also preparing and thinking about coming up on 25 years or having 25 years experience in federal law enforcement, what will be her second act? And she has created a vision for that in coaching and helping other women positively shift their mindset and break through barriers to shine their true authentic self into the world in your second act, which I think is so great to model and lead by example for other women. So Martha, can you share a little bit more detail about your background and where you've been and just characterize how this journey, what, what your thoughts are on how this journey has shaped who you are today? Well, it's interesting, Maria, because I didn't start out as a federal agent. I started out as a program analyst at, uh, in West Virginia, Martinsburg, West Virginia. And from there, I had a great start there. For six years, I traveled across the country um, for this place that I worked. And that was a great experience. And while I was doing that, my boss said I was creating criminal investigation, criminal investigative packages that I was sent out to the field for further investigation. 
And because I was doing that, my boss was like, he's just, you're doing the work already. Why don't you go ahead and take the next step and just become a federal agent? I was like, what? Really? I don't know about that. <laughs> wow. So he planted the seed. He did. He had complete faith in me. And um, I was scared. I thought it was crazy. I was like, there's no way I can do that job. But... I talked to my dad about it and he wasn't too happy with the idea. My mom was like, no way. <laughs> but then, but then I kept thinking on it more and looking into it. And I knew that every day would be a different day. Every day would be different. Every case would be different. You'd be doing something different every day. And that was very exciting to me, not to mention making a difference in the world and putting criminals in jail and getting guns off the street. Most importantly. Yep. Wow. So I love that you um, you talked about how you even doubted what was brought to you by your supervisor, I guess, at the time or your boss at the time, and how also your family reacted to you wanting to do this. So tell me more about that. How did you, how did you, because this is very common, right? And I highlight a lot of women who've had stories, whether it's starting their own business or stepping into a career that's male dominated like you did i'm sure right um because even people, though it was 1999 it yeah. was still dominated war. yeah war. for sure mm -hmm. and you know how others especially your family your friends react to that because they're you know thinking no way that's not for you and maybe that feeds even your own doubt so how did you navigate through that and how did you come to get them to support you in that well Number one, I've always believed if it was placed in your path, there's a reason. Even though it's outside of your comfort zone, stepping outside of your comfort zone is where greatness happens. And I always wanted to make a difference in the world or make a difference somehow. And this was it. This was it. And it was crazy. It was a great ride, though. Wow. So tell me about as you stepped into that role and did that, I mean, I'm sure the journey was one that presented many challenges. Tell me about some of that, some of the challenges. You don't have to talk in specifics if you don't want to, but just how you navigated either tough things that you had to do or tough circumstances in that male-dominated field, how you could kind of um, navigate through that and get where you wanted to be. Well, it was crazy because my first office location i had a training officer and he was gone when i came back from training he was gone and he left me instructions that he wanted me to move the office to a bigger office yeah <laughs> while he was gone he wanted me to move the office to a bigger office in the back so we could both have desks in there not exactly a cushy assignment because <laughs> we had to move filing cabinets and desks and the paperwork and all that stuff but was it because I was a rookie? Probably part of that was that. So, you know, it's all part of like the rookie thing. So I did it without complaint. I did it. And then after that, I was moved to another office. So doing all that work. And then I went to another office that had a completely different training officer who was really good. Wow. So I guess you faced some, some, uh, challenges with people who were leading you and do you think they were giving you a hard time because you were a rookie or you think because you were a woman? I think it was probably a little bit of both. But 
Yeah, they wanted to see how tough I was. And then they moved me again to a different office, and I had a boss there who was, no offense, from New York and the typical New Yorker. <laughs> but he hated the fact that women were on the job, and that was crazy. He did not like women on the job at all. So how did you handle that, and how did you um navigate any of that climate like being in a culture like that is difficult i've been in that myself in certain situations um not the same as you but the same in terms of people not um respecting you know your knowledge or your ability because you're a woman simply because of that how did how did you how did you continue to move away from that or stand strong in your own power well because I was going to do everything that he needed me to do, but I was going to do it better. And I was going to prove to him that even though I was a woman, I could do the job. And that's what my mindset was. I love that. And that obviously served you. It did. It did. Because then I, when I got transferred from there, he said, I hate to admit this, but you're one of the best agents in the job. You better come back. I love it. That's what, that was going to be my next question. Did you ever prove anyone? And when any one of those doubting uh, supervisors, male supervisors, did you prove them wrong? I did. I was grown. I've grown up with a very strong work ethic from my parents, instilled by my parents. So I'm always the hardest worker. I always give my best shot, and that's when people, if they <laughs> became sometimes that some people would be like. Give it to Martha. She'll take care of it. If they didn't want to do the job, give it to Martha. She'll do it. And I always did. <laughs> so you were known for that. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you some questions about. Because I know in our own discussions and learning more about your role, you've said that many times, although you're not in a supervisory role, you are looked at and as a leader. And we, that's common that a lot of people who are not in a traditional leadership role stand up as leaders. Um, and I think you just said it's because of your hard work, your work ethic, your ability to get things done. Talk to me about that. How do others respond to you? Do people, do you find people um, kind of trying to emulate you or um, wanting to ask for your advice of how you've done it or follow in your path? At times, um, like I said, they always give the projects to me, ask Martha, she knows, but that's because I have a lot of experience, but they also know my background is being a hard worker and I have years of outstanding evaluations to prove that. So they know that. So um, I had an opportunity to mentor a young woman who was an intern at our headquarters in DC. And she, she was a lot of fun and she loved my stories and the experiences I've been through. And to this day, I believe that she's still on the path to be a federal agent. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wow. And talk about having an impact, right? Right. <laughs> well, I think that's great. And I, and I love um, to hear stories of that because I think that, you know, young women coming into those same paths and maybe questioning, you know, can I do this? This is something that I don't know. Like, is there obviously things have changed, I guess, in the last 25 years. But I still think we face as women some instances where we're going to come up against that bias of, mm, 
you know, this woman maybe not as equal to the man in terms of, you know, your effort. So I think it's great that young women can see that and see that path and you can share your stories to inspire them and show that. And that's obviously one of the things uh, that I love about this, this series is highlighting women like yourselves who've done that. Um, do you look for opportunities to mentor others? Yes, I do. If I get the chance, the opportunity, if I get the opportunity, I'll always be willing to do that. And I would imagine, and I don't want to um, characterize this for you, but moving into what you're planning for your second act to coach women, that that's where that spirit kind of comes from. Right. Because it's funny, I was always like, I've been working for 30 years. Do I really want to have another job? Mm -hmm. But but I could live for 20 to 30 more years. So what am I going to do? I have to do something to keep the brain fresh. So, well, you know, uh, helping women, other women design their second act. That sounds like an awesome role to play. I, I, I think that's so exciting. And I also think that it's so needed in so many um, scenarios. So obviously anybody who's worked in any kind of uh, role that has a 25 year out kind of situation, whether that's law enforcement or government work or any kind of thing like that, that has that ability. I think having a second act and kind of planning for that is one of the best things that you can do and that all women should have that. And I also think that it's, some women could characterize it as their second act is maybe they worked for a number of years came out of the workforce because they raised the family and now want to go back into it, what do they do, right? I had a guest on uh, last week, I think, that talked about her challenge of getting back into the workforce and how she navigated that. And I think that that can be really inspiring that there's to have people understand and have women understand that there's multiple ways to have a second act. And that it can look oh it look could look different in so many different areas. Well, because Maria, I find that a lot of women have done what they're supposed to do. You know, they go to college, they get married, they have get a job, they have children, and then they're empty nest. <laughs> so now in your empty nest life, it's time to do what you've always wanted to do. What's the desire that's been placed on your heart? What did you wish you would have done instead of the job that you took because you needed money? Mm -hmm. I think so many people that re could resonate with so many people. Um, but let me ask you this, if you wouldn't mind sharing, how did you come up with this vision for your second act to be a coach for women and to help them kind of step into their true authentic selves? It was just placed in my lap. It was placed in my lap and I knew this is what I was meant to do. So as you were going through the coach certification, that's when you were like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Or did you know that, but did you do, did you step into the certification class because you thought this is something I want to do? Yes. I stepped into it because I thought this would be a great thing to do. Help women empower themselves and design a second act that can be better than their first. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So um, let me ask you this, because this is also something that I think is um, great for women who are wanting to do something like this or, or any any kind of uh, pursuit to, to uh, achieve the vision that they have. How are you doing that now while you're still working? Well, I'm actually um, 
just doing things on the side, making sure I get a website set up on the weekends and things like that, making sure I have all the connections that I need to do that and looking for different ways to get clients. Yeah, that's great. So getting it up and running now, doing it in your free time so that uh, as when you choose to leave your first act, that second act is already established. Exactly. Yeah, that's not very different from the way that um, I built my business. You know, I had decided to leave corporate America and was building a business and then lost my job. <laughs> but I highly recommend, and I've done some podcasts on this, some uh, episodes on this, is building that side hustle or that business as you're still working is really um, a smart plan to be able to do that. And I think it also, and tell me what you think, I think it also helps you manage the fear sometimes of like, if you're starting a business from scratch and you have no foundation, you have no income and you have no job, that can be a lot scarier and there's a whole lot more risk involved, right? Absolutely. So tell me that, is that part of the decision of why you're doing this now? And how did you come to that? Well, I, like I said, I went and got my personal empowerment coaching certification through Natasha's program. And um, I just started taking more classes on the weekends and, you know, just coming up with thoughts and ideas on how to get more clients and what to do there and things like that. So I'm curious, before you were exposed to any kind of your, uh, you know, any of these products with personal development, did you do any kind of personal investment on your own um, in the last 30 years? Like I would imagine on your job, you have opportunities to upskill and things like that. What what changed or did you always do this? Um, I pretty much always looked for opportunities to go to a class or, you know, go to a conference or things like that, because you never know what you're going to stumble upon there. Someone with a good bit of advice or you know, we had women in law enforcement conferences, which were always good to go to and see how other women handle difficult situations. So that was always a good thing to do. Love it. That's great. So tell me, um, what I'd like to talk about is tell me about if you faced any barriers to really making those decisions and move ahead. And I know, you know, your mindset is if there's something that's put in your path, there's a reason for it and it's time to step up to the plate. And I love that. But talk to me about if there were ever times or any specific uh, things or moments that you taught, that you faced or things you faced where you doubted your own ability and how you were able to work through and be able to push through that mindset and break that. How, what's your process for that? Or how did you do that? Well, like I said, you know, if it's put on my plate, I know it's put there for a reason, but you do fight fear, you know, and you fear if you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, there's going to be fear standing there, standing in your way. You just got to, you know, give it a swift kick and go on. <laughs> and so I, that's great. Like give it a swift kick. Is, is that something that you have to kind of repeat as a mantra? Is there things that you do every day, like to stay in that zone? What are some of your best, you know, practices that you do to stay there and be able to do that? Well, I think breath work is important and meditation. If you have an opportunity to explore meditation, I think that's how a good way to get your mindset positively uplifted. I love that. 
Have you always done that through your whole career or did you discover no. that in more recent years? In more recent years. Oh, so I'm curious because I, I like to bring this out. A lot of people think that's so woo and are like, well, ah, meditation. Did you have that? Did you have that reaction at first or? At first I did. You did. I did. I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like, does this once really you go? And like a good path, once you can find like a good path, it's good for your brain. So did you just have to try it or did you like, tell me about that? Yeah. You just have to give it a shot, you know, find the right one. There's so many out there. You just have to find the one that fits you. Yeah. I, I remember myself, you know, many years ago, um, taking yoga and that's how I discovered meditation and the teacher that I had, I mean, she was a great mentor, personal mentor of mine. Um, but she exposed me to all kinds of things. And I was like, okay, this is a little out there. That's, that was my reaction, you know, and she was really into, um, you know, she would go to the ashram for the guru that she took yoga from and that we followed the practice. And I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to go with this and try it. And then I think, you know, in keeping with your comments about stepping out of your comfort zone, I think it's the same thing, right? It's like, the unknown things that we don't know about or understand. It's like being open to it and trying it. And then you're like, hmm, okay, maybe what I thought wasn't correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Always try, Maria. That's what I always say. Always give it a shot. Even if it's not so appealing, you never know. You could like it. Yeah, for sure. Always give it a try. Yeah, and being open-minded to it and open to it is is for sure a, necessi a necessity in that. Absolutely. So Martha, one of the things that I um, picked up on in, and of course I know you, but I didn't know all of this detail of um, something that you faced, that you faced a really um, difficult medical uh, battle, uh, life-changing um, with meningitis. And I did not know that it was so serious that you were near death. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about what happened and how you got through that? So I was um, on a vacation I came back and I got sick and I figured it was something I got on the plane. And um, I was supposed to go on another girls weekend with my best friend who actually saved my life. Um, Cause if I hadn't gone with her, yeah, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. But she's the one that noticed this was my symptoms. She was like, we need to take her to the hospital. So they took me to the hospital and this is all God's plan design because that hospital was a small hospital and the doctor that saw me first in the ER knew what meningitis presented itself as because it presents itself as flu-like symptoms. So if I would have gone to John Hopkins, which is where I probably would have gone up here or Frederick Memorial Hospital, they wouldn't have known. They would have just said I had the flu and then I wouldn't be sitting here right now. So because that doctor knew exactly what to do, he put me on four antibiotics right away. I did, I flatlined twice which of course scared my best friend to death. But um, yeah, she saved my life. And then he saved my life. It was all God's plan design. And so I ended up in uh, John Hopkins for a bit. And then they transferred me into a hospital in Hagerstown, which is near where I live. And that doctor there was also instrumental in my recovery. He called me Miracle Martha because no one expected me to live, which is crazy, but here I am. 
So that's why I know I have a purpose. Yeah, right? A life, a life-changing experience where it kind of is like, okay. Well, that all happened when I was um, still working as a federal agent. So I had to, I had to learn everything again, Maria. I had to learn to walk again, talk again, drive again. I had to take a driver's test at 41. <laughs> it wasn't a 16-year-old, thank goodness. But yeah, I had to do all that. And then I had the wonderful firearms instructors because, you know, I could have lost everything then. But they worked with me and got me through it all. And I got to keep my special agent status. So, Wow. So I, I just wanted to follow up on something you said. You said you went to a small hospital and that was actually a good thing? It was because the doctor there came from a big hospital and he knew what meningitis presented itself as. Oh, well, you would think it's interesting because you would think that like John Hopkins is one of the best medical uh, centers in the country that going there that you would have had that uh, those those doctors that had that expertise. And I guess you're saying not 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 so much. Well, you know, we are on a weekend, a weekend in the ER. They'll just push you aside those because it's fact. Okay, I see. So being small, you're able to get that attention. And just again, as you said, God's plan, because just so happened that that doctor was there working at that small hospital. Wow, Martha, I did not realize. So here's, here's a question. How long did it take for you to go through all that rehabilitation and learn everything? I mean, I didn't, I wasn't even considering that I, I i do know how serious meningitis is and i also do know um how it presents because they sadly uh, someone that i worked with you know it presented as a cold and she just thought it was a cold or flu and she didn't go and by the time she went it was too late and sadly she's not with us anymore so truly um your friend saved your life by getting you the medical attention but how long did it take for all of that rehabilitation? That, well, I was out for almost a year. Luckily, we have a user donation program, a leave donation program with the agency that I work with. And so a lot of people donated leave to me, thank goodness. But even three years later, I was still having some issues with as far as remembering recollection and things like that. Wow. But I'm very lucky. It's all, most of it, all of it has come back. So. Is there anything that's lingering that you still, um, that is challenging for you that comes from having that illness? Luckily, no. I'm very, very blessed, Maria. I'm very wow. blessed. Wow. What a story. Yeah, because he wasn't kidding when he called me Miracle Martha, because a lot of most... Nine out of 10 don't survive meningitis the way I had it. Wow. Well, thank you for, for sharing all that detail. I think that for me, um, and hopefully for others listening and watching, like there really is, uh, there really is truth. And if you are meant for something grander, like uh, even coming through something like that, um, you've got to trust and come out on the other side knowing that you're here for a reason. <laughs> Absolutely. And right? you just gotta keep going. It may look daunting to you in the beginning, but just keep going because you were saved for a reason. Wow. And how many years ago was that? 
That's 12 years ago now. Wow. Here's a question for you. You know, and, and obviously we can make assumptions about how you're different, but how did that experience change you? Well, that experience made me more determined than ever to make a difference, to do something, you know, to reach out to others and things like that. And it made me every day is a gift, Maria, especially to me. And I, I like, I want people to realize that if you woke up this morning, you woke up for a reason, please be grateful for the day that you've been given and do something good in it. Because every day is a gift. Yeah. Keeping it into, I guess it gave you perspective, right? Not, not sweating the small stuff and. Absolutely. You know, there is no small stuff. <laughs> you don't sweat the small stuff. You know, you woke up and you have a roof over your head. You're a lucky person because there's people that don't. Very true. Very true. And it's all about living with an attitude of gratitude, Maria. If you wake up and you're grateful, it's a whole different positive mindset shift rather than being negative and letting that negativity eat at you because it doesn't work that way. You have to maintain your attitude of gratitude and be positive for what you do have. For sure. I, um, obviously that's something that I think a lot of us, myself included, you know, try to keep in the center and keep myself grounded with that. I'd love to know if there are things that you do to, because a lot of people subscribe to that attitude of gratitude, right? And they're like, yes, absolutely. But how do you put that in practice every day? Is there a routine you go through? Are there practices that you do? You mentioned meditation, but obviously you said that was newer. So since you came out of this illness in the last 12 years, like what are the things that help you practice that and keep that top of mind? Well, I love to take walks and I'm lucky enough that I live in a neighborhood where I can walk to a lake. It's called Whittier Lake, but it's a small pond. <laughs> I mean, a large, <laughs> very large pond. It's a very large pond, like two miles around, but I'm very lucky and blessed that I can walk there. And so that's where I walk and then I'll meditate there and I'll also talk to the Lord and thank him. That's my thank for when I go for my daily walks, that's my gratitude ritual. I love that. So time in nature, mm -hmm. very important, right? Absolutely. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of uh, people obviously, again, um, say that, but even myself, I can say that when well, you're busy, and you think about, you know, am I spending enough time outside in nature, my feet in the grass? Like that is a practice that helps keep you grounded. It does. The earth. Yeah. That is non-negotiable, Maria. You have to figure uh -huh. out what is your non-negotiable. And my non-negotiable is that I have to walk every day. And you do that every morning or at different times during the day? Different times during the day. I but I make sure I have it because that's my gratitude walk is what I call it. Oh, how nice. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk to the Lord and thank him, Maria, that I actually can walk around the lake because that was a question at one point in my life. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's important because I know some years back, um, I wanted to get better at, and this is a big thing, like a lot of us subscribe or have these beliefs or, or agree with certain statements of, you know, attitude of grat gratitude and your mindset and all of those things, but it's the integration and the practice of it, of actually doing it, right? It's like, it doesn't 
become part of you unless you're actively practicing that, whatever it is. Um, right. So like, even if, you know, you are trying to master, I don't know, tennis, like you got to practice, right. Same thing with having, being grateful and having that attitude of gratitude, it just doesn't happen. It's something you have to do to integrate it into a routine, a ritual, whatever that is for you. So I, I, I love yours. Um, and I think that it can take many different shapes for people, but the point being that it does have to be a practice and as you said, a non-negotiable to be able to stay there. I love that. It all takes a positive mindset. You know, it's a mindset shift. It's a deliberate mindset shift to go from, I can't do that to, well, maybe I can, let's give it a shot. Yeah. And it's interesting that you've combined it with a walk, which I love because there is a lot of science that talks about changing your physical um, state. It, it helps to allow a mindset shift. So like that combination of physical activity and uh, brain activity is a real connection that is uh, really powerful, that can be really powerful. And you know, you can flip the switch on any thought that you have. I agree. You're thinking negative thoughts. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. You're not here to be beat up. Everything is figure outable, as Marie Folio says. Folio says. Folio. Filled my bookcase with positive books. You know, you got this by Will Matthews. So good. Natasha's book, Unstoppable Influence. Marie Folio. Everything is figure outable. I love that word. And I actually told my um, my ex's daughter, I'm still friends with her. She's a wonderful young woman. And I told her that, and she got this huge smile on her face. I was like, you like that, don't you? She's like, everything is figure outable. I do like that. <laughs> it's great. So it's yeah, a great like, line. It's a great book title. It's a great mantra. Absolutely. So I, that's, that's, um, uh, that's great and so uh, incredible that you're doing that for yourself. And I think that's also something that we have to be more deliberate and intentional about, right? Because there's so much negativity in the world and there's so much negative uh, content that we could be exposed to that you really have to make that choice and draw that boundary around you to surround yourself and immerse yourself in things that help you have that mindset and have that uh, evolution of thought and shifting your mindset and you've got to do that. So, you know, reading books, uh, watching positive videos, personal development programs, anything that presents that thought, those thought leaders that are really helping, uh, to expose yourself to all of that is important. And then, and as we've said, doing that work, doing that work to integrate that into your daily life, your routine, um, because taking action, right, is part of it, is doing the work is part of it. And um, I think that that's an important thing to, to, to uh, own because many people want it and then they read the books and then nothing happens. You know, it's funny because I shared with um, my brother at one point about you know, positive mindset and positive thinking and kind of uh, getting rid of that negative thought, right? And helping to manifest what you want. And he's like, uh, I tried that positive thinking thing because I said uh, that I was going to win the lottery and I didn't oh, so it work. 
It does have to be attainable. Yeah. It doesn't have to well, be attainable. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it's not, it's, it's not even about what it is. It's about that you've got to do the work to kind of bring that positivity and bring those good outcomes to yourself. And all of that is important. Surrounding yourself with positive messages, working on your own thought process, immersing yourself in things that help you do that. So I would agree that um, there's so many people out there, you've named a few, but there's so many out there um, to consume. And, and you know the latest one I did? You did the Matthew McConaughey Art of Living, <laughs> didn't you? I did do that. That How was amazing. That? that was amazing. I'm reading his book right now called Green Lights. Yeah. It's so fun. It's such a fun book. I love that. There's so many, there's so many in that space and I love that. And this is one of the things that if you start following these people, then you start discovering other people that are kind of in the same lane, uh, which is great. Um, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you more specifically about is um, if you've had, I mean, we talked about your career, we've talked about some of the supervisors you've had in terms of, you know, gaining, um, kind of respect as a woman, but do, a lot of women feel like they have to work harder to earn respect. Do you believe that's true? And if so, um, what what is your best piece of advice to women to gain the respect that they deserve? Well, it is true in the beginning. I'm not so sure it's that as true today, but I'm not really in the business world. Um, but so in your in your profession, it's it's improved. It has improved. That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. In fact, they're encouraging women to apply for the positions in law enforcement. That's great. But it all comes back to your mindset. You know, if, if that's put in front of you, don't be afraid. I mean, you can defeat the fear because something great waits on the other side of your comfort zone. So true. And I think uh, what you shared earlier about, you know, even the doubt of your mom and dad, right? And yourself, right. when it was, <laughs> when it was proposed to you, you know, navigating through that, I think a lot of people, if that doubt is in their mind, or that doubt is expressed by anybody around them, then it can be really easy to just shut that down. It could um, be, but what I did was I thought, what were the perks? what would this do for me as a person it would make me stronger it would every day would be different but it would make you a stronger person because when you step outside your comfort zone you're already taking a step towards becoming stronger yeah you build that resiliency that's for sure was there anything and obviously you know again i like to ask the question i don't want to make any assumptions you went through that serious illness and your recovery from that, but you know, and I don't want to characterize that in any way, but there's a lot of people when they tell their story that they have faced something that seemed at the time was very negative. And then looking back on their path, they look at it differently, that it actually was something that helped them get to where they are. Do you have any of those things? Um, that you can point to in your journey? Well, with my battle with meningitis, it really made me come out on the other side with the attitude of gratitude. Yeah, because really, Maria, every day is a gift to me because I shouldn't be here. 
And if everybody, if people could just, you know, believe in that, that every day is a gift. Yeah. Are some days hard? Of course, they're going to have hard days. Of course, you're going to have sad days. But there's a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a new dawn and a new day. So do you believe that that changed you for the better? Well, I've always been a positive person, um, but I think it just increased my positivity and my attitude of gratitude. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. So did you have along your path um, even now, whether that was at the start of your career or now as you started to, to define your second act, do, did you have or do you have people that are discouraging you from doing that? Actually, I'm very blessed in that, Maria. Everybody that I've talked to about the second act coaching is very encouraging. My best friend, Daphne, I'll give her a shout out. She, uh, the one who saved my life. She's like, you've always been so positive. And she's like, it's about time you get paid for it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's funny. It was Love funny. That. One thing that I wanted to ask you about is, as a woman, there's a lot of women that... Um, have maybe been labeled in a way that's negative and maybe for something that actually is part of their character that helps them be who they are. Maybe it's an assertive quality, maybe a little aggressive, maybe strong, maybe direct, whatever it is. Have you ever been labeled in a way for one of those things that you believe is, a, is part of a character or a trait that makes you successful, but it was labeled in a negative way? Um, I can't really think of a time that that happened because I'm always open to, you know, if someone doesn't like something, I let's put it on the table. Let's talk about it. Why do you think this? Why do you feel this way? Let's just get it out there in the open because I think that if people just keep things bottled up, that eventually it's going to come out anyway and it's going to be worse than it could have been in the beginning if you just had the discussion. Okay, fair enough. Um. Were there times when you were designing the second act that you doubted your ability? And I mean, obviously, you're still building it. Or do you ever doubt your ability to pull this off? And if so, how do you come out on the other side of that? What do you do? Well, like I said before, because I do that because I'm like, oh, really? I already worked 30 years. You want some more from me? Speaking to the Lord. <laughs> But he put it on my plate, so obviously I could live 20 or 30 more years. I need something to do, and doing something inspiring to other people is exactly up my lane. How are you creating that vision? So what I, what I really want to understand is a lot of people talk about they have this idea, right? And you mentioned some of the things that you're doing now to kind of build the foundation, like the website and find ways to find clients. And obviously you've gone through the certification and whatnot, but whatever it is, whatever kind of vision you're creating, do you have specific things that you want to do or like this plan, this whole plan, or is it just, you see it out there, you know where you're headed and you're just letting it evolve. How would you characterize that? Um, no, there is a plan of action, and the key is to take the action, you know, 
You leverage what you know, you acknowledge what skills and experiences you have. In your second act, you don't have to start over from scratch. You don't need to feel like you're starting over from scratch. You take what you know and what you like the best about yourself, your characters, your traits, your strength, and anything like that, and you leverage that into something that's going to bring you joy. You know, if you love to travel and take pictures, become a travel writer. It could be just that simple, you know? Put yourself out there. If you take, you love taking pictures, well, why not sell some pictures now? Get them up in the museum or an artist. You love to dance, why not become a dance instructor? Things like that, you know? It's limitless. The ideas are unlimited, I meant to say. The ideas are unlimited. Whatever you want to do, leverage what you know. Use what you have and do what brings you joy. Because in your second act, this is the time for you to be you and to do what brings you joy and leave a difference. Maybe you want to leave a legacy of positiveness in the world. Let's do it. It's time to do it. Love that. So uh, one thing that I love to do and that I always end the interview with is a series of questions that I call lessons learned. And I'd love to ask you these questions. <laughs> I'd love to ask you these questions. If I may know. Um, so in, if you could share. Okay. If you could share the takeaways and the lessons learned in your journey, I'm going to ask you these set of questions and if you could respond. Um, <laughs> Is this a hot seat? It's not a hot seat, but <laughs> if you think about your journey, all of it, was there any mistake that you made or anything that you would have done differently? And if so, why? Hmm, that's a tough one right there. Because like I said, I've been very blessed and I always went for it. You know, I always just went for it because I felt that's what you should do. If it's tough, it's going to be tough. And it was tough at times. It was really tough at times. But, you know, you work through it. You get support if you need support. You bring in some people to help you out if you need team building, anything like that. You know, you just do what you need to do to get through it because there is a light on the end of the tunnel. There is positive on the other side. So I guess in that message, it really isn't that you think that anything was uh, a mistake. You just kind of took it as it came and made the most of it or got through it if there was a a challenge or something difficult and it's all threaded as part of your story. It sounds like what you're saying. Yes, that is correct. You do believe that. I do believe that. I love that. What is the best piece of advice that you followed to get to where you are today? You can do it. Just try. Just love try it. Did somebody say that to you or is that you talking to yourself? Both. My dad always said that to me. <laughs> I love it. You can do it. Just try. Right. I love it. What is the worst piece of advice you ever got? You can't do that. Ah. <laughs> the doubt. Right? <laughs> the doubt monster is real and that's not cool. <laughs> What's the number one piece of advice you would give to someone 
who wants to create something different, whether that's a business, a second act, uh, go for a career that's not dominated by, that's dominated by somebody else that they're not. What's the best piece of advice you would give to somebody on that journey? Don't be afraid to take action. If it's put in your path, it's meant to be. Step outside of your comfort zone because that's where greatness awaits you. All right. All right, and I always end the interview by asking what I call my biggest life lesson. So can you complete this sentence? My biggest life lesson is... My biggest life lesson is... Kick fear to the curb because it will stop you from achieving your greatness. Wow. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like that too. That, that's good. Well, Martha, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your journey and giving us all your insight. Your positivity is just exuding from you. And I love that. That's part of your spirit. That's who you are. And I hope all of you have enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Martha, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to be here. And if you design your second app, look me up, yoursecondactcoach.com. I was going to ask you that. So that's fantastic. We are going to put in the show notes ways to you to reach Martha and find her website. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. So fun. Thank you. We'll see you <laughs> next time on the next episode of Finding the Upside. Bye for now. Bye. All right. So I hope you loved this episode and found it valuable. Thanks for hanging out with me. And if you'd be so kind, if you know someone else that this will help, please share this episode with them. Just grab a link for this specific episode, text it to a friend or colleague so it can help more people like you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will see you next time for more entrepreneurial goodness. Same time, same place on the Finding the Upside podcast.